episode 294, Asher Hearn, Money Mindset Expansion. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, live limitless. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one men's development podcast, inspirational stories and strategies to thrive as a man. As a coach, keynote speaker, and best-selling author, it has been my mission going on four years on the podcast to bring you the best, the very best, the struggles, the action, and to share the real journey with you, what it takes to thrive as a man. Together we are stronger. Please subscribe to support the show through ayalpha.com and join the conversation in the Facebook group, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW. Get involved and I'll see you in the inside. Get to the podcast. Right, we've got a great one for you today. We have one of our rare, we have an alpha lady. And there's, I was talking to Ash before, and there's probably only been about 20 over the 200 plus episodes. So it's a very cool club to be in. But we have Asha Hearn here today. She is an international speaker, money mindset coach, and chief expansionist at the Expansion Project. We're going to really dig into all things expansion and money mindsets, any issues around that. But firstly, Ash, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Heck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. That was quite a brief intro. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight about you and what you're all about at the moment? I don't think so. I think it, it does really encapsulate really well what I'm up to. Um, although I would maybe add in that sometimes when people think of the word expansion, they think of like growing a business or growing, um, you know, their, um, it's, it's usually about growing like an organization. Yeah. Right. That's, that's typical of the word. Um, but when we talk about expansion, my clients and I, and the group of people that I surround myself with, we're not talking about growing a business or growing an organization. We're talking about growing ourselves. Yeah. So that, that's probably the only little piece that I would throw in there about the whole expansion. Yeah, definitely. And then that, that explains a lot about why we're talking on Awaken Your Alpha, because that's really aligns with my message as well. I just want to jump straight into your origins. Tell me a bit about the background and, and you know, what you wanted to be growing up. Part of the reason why I was so intrigued with money at an early age is because I went to university to follow my passion. My parents were always telling me, don't do what makes you money, do what you love. Because at the end of the day, that will make you, you'll be happier, right? So um, I actually followed my passion, which is music. I did that for, I started taking music when I was um, as early as six and just pursued it my entire educational career. It took six years of university doing music. I got a uh, performance degree. And I toured around, I toured, I played a really awesome concert with my, well, we were almost married um, husband in New York City in Carnegie Hall. Like it was, cool. I really got to do some awesome things. As a musician, you think, what is the like one thing that if you could accomplish as a musician, what would that be? And I think playing in Carnegie Hall is kind of it. Yeah, that right? very cool, very cool. <laughs> so the fact that I had a chance to do that and I was only 24 years old, like to me, I was thinking if I could play in Carnegie Hall before I'm 80, like I've lived. Awesome. Right? What, what did you play or do in the, in the musical realm? Um, I'm a classically trained flute player. Um, uh-huh. And depending on where you're from, you're either a flutist or a flautist. So, flutist, I think in England. I've never heard of flautist. <laughs> yeah, I, in Canada, you're a flautist. Um, oh my goodness. Um, you know, flute players were very special, actually. There's a whole uh, personality chart on who you are based on the instrument you play. And I fit the bill. It's really sad, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're kind of like the look at me, look at me people. So. <laughs> this makes it even more like, how did you then get into the, the money thing? Well, partly because to be a musician, 
you need to kind of have a little bit of money to be able to get places yeah. and then they pay you. Like they don't pay you in advance. You have to like have something yeah. to get yourself there and then they pay you after. So you have to have some money and you know, we really did break the bank. We took out loans. We did things that we probably shouldn't have done to try to advance our musical careers. And we just ended up really broke. So it was like, what are we going to do? And my husband, in my opinion, is the more talented out of the two. So, <laughs> and I'm more talented on the like business side. Like I've always been good with people. I did sales all through university to like pay for my, my education. Yeah. So I'm like, I got this. Like I will find a sales job. You can keep doing your thing and I'll basically support you and we'll work together and we'll be a team. And he was like, super. <laughs> I went to work. <laughs> I, I like his half of the bargain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised he said awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, and he actually kept touring for a while after yeah. that. It was an interesting ride for us because being newly married and me being the breadwinner was sort of weird. Um, but what I was looking for was a career that I could get into without having going, without having to go back to university because mm -hmm. university is hugely expensive in Canada and it's not like you can just like the school's not going to just pay for you. Yeah. Loans are done through banks. Um, there's like, it's a, it's a, it's an expensive process. Yeah. And, um, I was kind of done with the whole school thing anyways, cause I had to, done six years of it and yeah was kind of not really my thing. It was like a grind for me to make yeah. it through. So, <laughs> um, I was like, what can I do? What, where can I make good money without getting another degree? And the financial world just kind of fell into my lap. Um, I had my resume out on a few different websites and one of these financial companies called me and they were like, you know, we don't know if you'd be a good fit, but maybe we could have a conversation because we are willing to train people from the ground up. So I yeah. went to the interview and dunked it, of course. <laughs> That's who I am. <laughs> and uh, they were like, yes, we would love to have you. We would love to train you. You seem very motivated. And so I was like, awesome. Yeah. Very That's cool. how it all started. Cool. Well, we're going to dig into like some mindset, money mindset issues in a minute, but I want to then sort of fast forward another expect the expansion project. How did then the, the finance, I get that, but then the expansion project, and as I said, how did you bridge that gap and, and why really? Oh, good question. So when I, I spent the last 10 years working in finance and I actually started with that smaller firm that ha had trained me, yep. um, but they were a proprietary company and they were kind of training us to be brokers, mm -hmm. but we weren't actual brokers because we couldn't do any, we couldn't operate outside of their little toolbox. Okay. So, um, and being at the young age of 22, when I was first introduced to um, the financial world, yeah. uh, that's a pretty young age to be trying to give people things like investment advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And people are like, how, what, how could you possibly know what I need, yeah. you know, at, at 55? So um, it was a little bit of a grind for me anyway, to try to like get, get clients and that kind of thing. But I, I pushed hard, like I wanted it bad. And so yeah. I did really well. Um, but I saw the need to branch off and be independent. So I did that two years in. So the last eight years was me working independently. Um, and I worked with a, a managing general agency, which is basically a fancy name for an umbrella okay. that I could just like pick and choose almost any institution in Canada that I wanted to work with. Um, and sometimes they would come to me and probably 80% of the time because they were in some sort of jam. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, my husband lost his job and we're like two paychecks away from losing our house. Can you help us? Mm. And those were the situations that I always felt like a hero because I could always sort of try to work something out. 
Um, cause I was sort of their, their liaison. I was their rep. I could, um, contact their lender on their behalf and sort of fight yeah. for them. And that was really cool. I loved that part of it, but it, over time it started to wear on me. It was like, nobody wants to take proactive action. Everybody just comes to me when it's too late. Yeah. Reactive. Yeah. And yeah. I felt that I wanted to help them more than they wanted to help themselves. I can't live in that situation because, yeah, I've done that in coaching before. And it's, it's why I, I pretty much don't believe in any kind of sort of free coaching because people, I know for a fact I'm going to want it more than them, like them to get better or them to, you know, sort themselves out, help themselves. And, uh, you know, and that's, I, that's it's a painful and it's, it's, it just doesn't work. If you want it more than the person who is, you know, needs their help, it's, it's just not good, not good. And if you're saying that was consistent, whew, yeah. Well, and every once in a while too, there would be a case that it would be way too late and I couldn't help them. And I just felt like, oh, I'm this jumping on the bus that's going down. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, and I fly awake at night and be like, I can't believe that family is going to go through this situation. Oh, yeah. And like worrying about them. And it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't have what it takes to just like endure all this pain and disappointment yeah. all the time. And so I started integrating coaching into my, my, um, my brokerage business about four years ago, just very on the side, yep. but offering like, Hey, instead of, you know, coming to the approach of, instead of waiting till it's too late, let's talk about what we can do today to prohibit a lot of these yeah. problems. And, you know, a lot of people were interested in, in hearing what some of those problems were and how they could avoid them. So that was awesome. What are some of the key problems and uh, issues around money mindset? If it keeps, mm -hmm. they keep coming to you with it. There's a lot of people probably listening here, have them same issues. Well, a lot of the money issues that I would see would be things like starting too late to save, um, lack of discipline, they don't have any budgeting, or they just have just different, like couples especially. Mainly their issues were between, one of them is a saver, one of them is a spender, and they clash a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> for masculine feminine relationships like if yeah. you have yin and yang in your relationship there's one of you usually that's that tends to sway yep. on one side and one on the other and it just creates conflict yeah we're in uh, it just reminds me we're in a conflict currently you just saw my wife pop in there we're I call it, let's just call it the jet boat conflict i want to buy a jet boat she's like mm. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm in Northern Michigan. Why else would you move here? Come on. <laughs> exactly. No, just kidding. I'm not. We're on the lake. We're on the lake. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, most people do try to event literally their faces when I tell them. No. When I say, obviously, I moved here, when I'm usually at some kind of event or something, people usually go, oh, and they assume either California or LA or something. And then when I say Northern Michigan, they, they can't control their face. It just goes, <laughs> or disgust and then i have to kind of justify whoa 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 it's like they think of detroit as well i'm like no no just think of canada it's more like canada so there we go yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so back to back to the the conflicts i was liking that yeah the conflicts of uh money issues um and you i mean almost in an entrepreneurial way as well you mentioned before about um people valuing their self-worth and different issues around money i mean can you tell us about Either some some issues and some ways you have found useful to coach people through it. Yeah, um, I think because we have the the you know usually I'm working with couples, um, but some of the issues that people have um, they tend to stem from like one thing that they saw happen as a kid or that somebody said to them, and your subconscious you know has just latched onto it and it just becomes so much a part of your truth. Yep. But somebody might have said to you. Adam, money doesn't grow on trees. 
right? And something as simple as that, which that's a very common phrase that we yep. use. Yep. Right? And I got so, told that a lot growing up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> most people did. Yeah. And honestly, like probably 60 to 70% of my clients are dealing with that phrase because they were told as a child that money doesn't grow on trees. And so the opposite to that is, well, if it doesn't grow on trees, if it's not easy to come by, therefore it must be hard to make money. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's what we hold on to. And we hold on to the fact that we need to work hard or sacrifice in order to make money. And that's a big, huge block because you don't need to work hard to make a lot of money. You do need to provide a ton of value though. Yeah, that's a key distinction. Yeah, I like that, definitely. Yeah, um, so that would probably be one of the, one of the biggest ones. Um, and the other, the other thing that I see too is uh, just behaviors that are modeled for you as a child too. If you come from a family that um, struggled financially and there was lack here or there, mm -hmm. or you felt lack as a child, like you couldn't have that bike or you couldn't do the extracurricular activities you wanted to do or you wore hand-me-downs or whatever the situation may be, um, you're imprinted with a certain belief of how money operates in the world and you take that into your adulthood. You know, so you may think that there is a lack and so you might work extra hard. You might be a workaholic. Um, you might have two or three jobs. You yeah. might and it's never enough as well. Cause like you said, right. just strived for a career that just pays you a lot of money because you never want to deal with that issue again. And now you've sort of sacrificed your happiness and joy to make the money and it's yeah. not filling the hole for you. Definitely. For me seeing it on the outside, because I've seen the pattern over and over. Um, it's easier for me to see it, but when you're living it and that's your life, it's really hard to see it. Yep. And that's why working with a coach is so powerful because all they really do is help you find the answers you already have. Mm. Right. I think we all have the answers inside of us already. We know that what we're living is a lie sometimes, but we just don't want to admit it because that's the ego holding on so tightly saying, no, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And we don't want to acknowledge uh, the guilt or the shame or any of the other yucky, icky feelings that we have around money, because then we have to admit that that's like a personal issue or that maybe we had a troubled childhood. We don't want to revisit those things. So we just don't, we just, cover it up. We put, throw a blanket over it or we dig it and hurry <laughs> it somewhere. Yeah. Right. And we try to pretend that it's not there <laughs> and we continue to live life in sort of a troubled mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's, it can be fixed. It can. Like you mentioned, it's a very individual thing and you've got to work with someone kind of one-to-one -one on that. But how would you say if some sort have you got any sort of strategies or ideas on ways to start at least opening up to that, that there is an issue or like undermining that belief that's not serving them? Um, usually I do have to kind of get a good sense of where they're at and what yeah. some of their struggles are right now. Um, like somebody who has a lot of debt, but they don't have a lot of income. Like usually they're a spender and they try to fill the void with like retail therapy. Yeah. Right. So then that would be a different issue to somebody who is just like a hoarder when it comes to money and they live like a pauper, but they have a million dollars in the bank. Yeah. So I, I, let's focus <laughs> on that one. Cause I'm interested in that one. <laughs> I just like, if someone was a, like that kind of thing that like they never feel like they have enough, regardless of like what is in the bank, they never feel like they have enough. How would you approach that? Not, not necessarily to flip them the other way around, but just like, just chill out a bit, like to enjoy things. And you know, you can afford like to buy a coffee, for example, as opposed to, you know, being the richest person in the graveyard kind of scenario. Yeah. Um, really leading through a series of questions, you know, like why do they feel compelled to have that kind of money? And usually it breaks down to a fear thing. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the opposite of normally what I deal with. Normally I deal with people who are so concerned about what other people think that they're doing the whole keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they don't actually care how much debt they have as long as they can drive the Mercedes and they have a big fancy house. Yeah. Right. So they'll leverage themselves to the absolute maximum that a a lender will allow and then struggle to make those payments every month. But it's okay because on the outside, they look like they have a good. Yeah. Yeah. And what I find is about 80% of the people that live that way, they're just broke at another level. So when you're looking at your own situation and you're thinking and you're idolizing those people because you want the fancy car and you want the big house, you know, it's, you have to remember like they are probably because the statistics show that they are probably just broke at another level. They're paycheck to paycheck, just like you, just at a different level. That's all. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing. I think a lot of people, at least for a short term, could literally stretch themselves to get all these things on the surface. Mm -hmm. It'd look ridiculous. And again, on the social media world, it would look, you'd look like an absolute baller. You'd look like the absolute, like, whoa. But but you you can hire rent, you know, you can buy everything on finance nowadays. That would be, you know, oh, it'd be horrible because the amount of stress behind that, like you say on the surface, it'd all look good, but the amount of stress and the amount you'd have to earn just to meet payments, that's not living. That's ugh, like a caged. Yeah, it's like a. Ugh, I don't like the sound of that at all. <laughs> but yeah, I'm aware there's probably is a lot of people like that. Definitely. Yeah, and it's really too bad because um, if you were to peel back the layers of what that person is going through and why they chose to do that, it's it's because they want so desperately to be recognized for their hard work. They feel that they deserve these things. And they want everybody else to know it. And it's not a conscious decision that we've made. Like, I want to be the richest person in my neighborhood. I want everyone to bow down before me. It's actually not that at all. Mm. They just, everybody in the world, they crave edification. They crave the pat on the back. They crave for somebody to tell them, good job. Mm. Right. And that a lot of that comes from that they just want somebody to be like, wow, good for you that you have that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so they'll put themselves through that amount of stress just to get a couple of compliments here and there. Yeah. And it's not worth it. <laughs> really not <laughs> worth it. I mean, what are your thoughts on, we kind of touched on it a bit there. I'm just uh, thinking of the mindset behind, like I really like to, to save and buy things outright mm-hmm. as opposed to buy something and then pay for it, even if it's 0% and then pay for it like over however long a period. I mean, and I know there's some things in life, like generally a house that I would have loved to have bought my house outright off the bat. But, um, so I know there's some things you've got to have like a mortgage, but apart from a mortgage, I generally, if I can't, if I can't afford to buy it, then it's kind of in my mindset, I'm not saying it's right. It's just how it is. If I can't afford to buy it. That's the key statement. I can't afford to buy it. So why would I buy it? If I want it, then save for it and buy it. But what are your thoughts between the two mindsets? Um, I think because a lot of um, companies and retail stores and, you know, there's so many places out there where you can, you know, you can take it home today and Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay a payment till, you know, 2019 or whatever it is. And you, it's interest free or whatever. Like there's all these can build up gadgets and all these like bling sort of capture your attention because they want you to buy it. They want to, they want you to finance it because it does make them more money. It's a profit game is what mm-hmm. it is. And if you don't have the discipline to shop for something, check out the prices and, and see for yourself that you don't have the cash, buy it outright like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can afford an X, X amount of payment per month. Um, 
I really don't think that that's a healthy habit to get into because I've got clients where they just finance freaking everything, like right mm. down to their furniture in their homes, their, yeah. their phones, everything they have is on a monthly yeah. program. You get, that, you get to that scenario where you need, you need X amount, not to, you know, enjoy yourself to survive and yes. that kind of pressure. And like you say, it could maybe minor payments, but it can build up if that's your, like or is that your ethos it can really build up and then when you actually look at what the thing is you probably didn't need it in the first place that's the other issue yeah it becomes a little bit of a habit and unfortunately the reason why we get into things like that is because if you're employed um you have an, a paycheck that you can expect let's yeah, say yeah once a month um and you feel that you have a certain sense of security in that that's a good point yeah but the reality is you don't have that kind of security because um if your employer were to go under tomorrow and lose everything or be purchased by another company, there's so many, I can't tell you how many times I've had a client that's come to me because they are financed through the ears and one of the spouses, if not both have been laid off recently. Yeah. Um, and that's never a good place to be in because you now you're stuck when you finance something, it doesn't matter if you, if you fall behind on payments, you can't give the product back. Yep. And you, if you try to sell it privately, you're never going to get what you owe for it. Yep. It's a very scary place to be. And so I usually, you know, I would say 99% of the time I would recommend that somebody save up for it and buy it with cash. Awesome. Um, my family, we don't have credit cards. In fact, we don't have any debt. What we actually use now is that, um, our debit cards through our bank are credit card numbers that we can yeah. use to pay things online. We can travel, we can book flights, yeah. we can book hotels, but everything is on cash. It's connected to our bank account. Um, and it's very powerful. And especially try going on a trip where you put it all on a credit card and then go on a trip where you pay for all of it in cash. Mm. It's a different trip. I'm telling you in your mind, you will feel so much more freedom. You'll feel proud of yourself. Um, just the things that you can do and you're yeah. knowing you're not just, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. that common, that common sort of, um, phrase where we say, Oh, I'm going to pay for this later as opposed to I've paid for this. I might as well enjoy it kind of thing. Like I've earned yeah. this. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's very, very cool. Um, and just in kind of starting to, to wrap up, it was really our alpha round. And I want to start that off with our Yoda question. Who helped awaken your alpha? Was there any figures along the line? I know it's kind of a very musical journey and then a financial expansion type journey as well. Two key people um, that really have just directed my path. Um, and the first one is a, a mentor actually that I had in my financial business. And um, he was fantastic because he literally took all of his experience, um, everything that he knew about the industry, how to work with people, how the products work, like everything that I needed to know to succeed he just gave it all to me. And there was never a, a coaching relationship where I was paying him for advice. It was yeah. always, he was always just like very invested in my success and just always helped me. Um, and him and his wife, uh, they have a, a family too. So he was a family man and you know, they really came close to our family and we just kind of walked together and we ran this business together and it was really cool. And I'll, also, um, when I decided to leave my brokerage firm, which was this year, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to spend 10 years working on something and walk away from it for me was huge. Like I needed a, a massive amount of courage. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have taken that risk if I hadn't met Chantel Adams. Okay. Um, and Chantel's actually speaking at the Cayman Islands retreat that we're, that the expansion project is hosting. And she is, um, 
probably the biggest person that I know in the online space that's all about courageous action. She actually has um, a side division of her company called the Courage Collective. And she's, <laughs> Very cool. she's a speaking coach. Um, yeah. She teaches speaking in business. She was just the one that just yeah. sparked you know, stand yeah. what I was going to make. I'm not going to work for those people anymore. I want to work for <laughs> me now. Right? That, is so, that is so cool. What is one of your favorite books of all time or a book you like to recommend? Um, and because we've been talking so much about the money thing as well, it'd be, it'd be cool if one comes to mind in terms of the money side of things as well. Oh, yes. I have so many on the money side. Um, if I had to pick just one. Mm, there's a really interesting book that not a lot of people have heard of and I have it sitting right here. Oops, as I knock over everything. Um, it's older. It's been out for a long time, mm -hmm. um, but it's called Doing More With Less. This is probably, it's flipped around, but it's Bruce Pasecki. And this is a really interesting book. If you've seen um, the, the documentary Minimalism, have you seen it? No, I haven't. I think I've heard of it, but I really, I like the sound of it already. I like, one of the, <laughs> my favorite things ever was moving country just because I got to get rid of everything. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't want to transport anything across. I wanted to start for, <laughs> I loved the six months of just getting rid of, you realize how much crap you've got. And I'm quite a minimalist anyway, but it's just, it's very hard not to build up stuff, even when you are a minimalist. So good. I recommend everyone just moves country so they and but literally go with a suitcase. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a very enlightening, lightning experience, right? Mm. So much weight comes off your shoulders when you don't have to care for so much stuff. Yeah. And um, this isn't about minimalism, it's actually about how to do more or less on the money realm. Yeah. But the but the documentary minimalism mm -hmm. um really sheds light on today's society, how we've become very um consumerist in the way that we behave mm -hmm. right and how we are feeling that lack of fulfillment but you know because we work jobs we, that we don't love and we do things to please other people rather than for ourselves and so we fill that with retail therapy we fill it with all kinds of interesting um purchases that we don't need mm -hmm. you know um it's about status it's about having um like nobody probably needs the next new iphone because we already have iphones but the lineup will be ridiculous right it's yeah. all about like you have to have the newest one you know mm -hmm. you're a nobody if you have the old one um and this really tackles a lot of that mentality this book um and i, I enjoy it a lot because it helps reframe like if you don't have a money for a coach let's say yeah know that you've got issues or whatever i would say one thing though that this book is designed for people who are ready to do more with less and there's people who aren't ready to yeah. do <laughs> You know, there's people who are like, I love having all of this stuff and I love yeah. having, you know, this kind of status and I'm yeah. not, but usually there's a breakdown moment where you realize that the sacrifice you're making for that money isn't what you're looking for. It's not fulfilling you. Yeah. And once you've had that realization, once your eyes have been open to like, holy, this is not worth it, then you're ready for this book. <laughs> very, very cool. I like that. Again, wow, strong recommendations here. So is, <laughs> is there a uh, specific quote that springs to mind or one that you like to live your life by? Well, there's something actually that Steve Jobs said, um, and I'm not going to quote it word for word or verbatim because I don't exactly remember it, but yeah. he did say something very interesting that's always inspired me and about how crazy people rule the world. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about? Yes, yeah, and I, I'd be I couldn't re like I couldn't recite the whole thing, but yeah, yeah it's a short cool. quote. But essentially, what he's saying is, you in order to um, make changes, you kind of have to be a little bit of a weirdo. You got to be outside the box. <laughs> you have to 
slightly controversial. You have to have, you know, you have to be willing to go against the grain sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that the first time, I was probably in my late 20s. And I really felt like he was talking to me. Mm. Because at that time in my life, I was just doing what I thought everybody else is supposed to do, right? You're supposed to go to school. You're supposed to get a good job. You're supposed to find a career with a pension that pays you well, buy a house, get some, you know, savings for your retirement and you're good. Yeah. Right? Maybe get married and have kids if you want to throw that in there. That's, that's you reminded me then when you guys sort of got all these things to do, you reminded me of the, the speech out of train spotting. Have you ever seen that movie? That's an like no. English kind of Scottish movie. This no, I old, haven't seen you that. You and McGregor's in it. It's old school. And they're just, they, they literally, is a, like, there's a, he's a, doing that kind of rant, like choose life. It kind of finishes with that. Wow. But you should watch that. As, it's you and McGregor when he was like young. Really? It, I'd it, love to watch that. I think they're just bringing out the second one, like 20 years later or something. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very interesting. Sorry, but that's, is, is a, the, even for that little bit, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's like one of them kind of cult oh. films. It's uh it's a good one. It's interesting, but yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that now. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think would be a great interview for the show? I'm going to already go with the lady who said kind of like who helped awaken your alpha, but who else, when you think awaken your alpha, you think, yes, that person would be good for this show. The person that has really been, um, it, that has really, I guess, showed me and living the example, um, because th there's a lot of coaches out there. I think that they have great feedback. Um, they have lots of great advice. Mm -hmm. um, and if you take it, you'll go very far. But I've always looked at not what they're saying, but what they're doing. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're connected to um, Vince Fowler. For me, he's kind of one of those guys. Um, more of sort of like on a local level, he's um, what I would call like the big fish in the small pond. Because <laughs> uh, Calgary, we're, I mean, I think we have over a million people, but it's yeah. still like, he's sort of like the, the secret unknown superpower, <laughs> right? Like he's not, he's not super famous, but he yeah. should be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that would probably be my, I would love to hear him on your podcast. Oh, cool. That's a, That's yes. Super again. cool guy. Is there any kind of question you thought I was going to ask or you wished to ask and I didn't? No, honestly. I mean, I think um, in the money space, there's so much to talk about. Like yeah. I've ran, you know, three day workshops just on it. But what I would say is that when you think you have money issues, you probably don't actually have money issues. You probably have fulfillment issues. Mm. Um, you, I'm kind of like a secret ninja in the, in the way that people come to me with their money issues, but it's not usually about money. It's usually about some other limiting beliefs and some self-worth issues and um, shame or guilt surrounding something. There's always a, an emotional aspect to why yeah. you're, you're dealing with your money in a certain way. Um, which is why I've really focused a lot of my attention now on more of the fulfillment type coaching and exercises and why the events that we're hosting are more around how to find joy and fulfillment today. Because yeah. I think our society is really focused on a future ideal we're always aiming for something that we don't have yeah, and all that does is steal your joy for today. You can't enjoy today when you're constantly have blinders on about getting that next thing. Yeah. Right. So having celebrating small wins, doing things for yourself, self-care, all of those things contribute to a more joyful life today. And so I would just venture to guess that there's people out there who are looking for that. <laughs> and that's who we designed these events for. So and what's the best way people can connect with you if they want to find out more about all and anything? Um, the easiest way would be to head on over to the expansionproject.ca. 
Um, and all of our social media links are down at the bottom. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, we're there, but then if you wanted to speak with me directly, you can also mail us and you get my team and, and I'm not that hard to find. So <laughs> cool. Well, Ash, thanks so much for speaking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Me too. Thank you again for having me. It's awesome. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really do appreciate it. And I know time is the most important asset we have. Please do subscribe and leave a short review. I really do appreciate it. Head over to ayalpha.com to get any goodies that are going on the website at the time and awaken your alpha with ALW, the Facebook group and get on the inside, join the conversation and please do support the show. I recommend it to your friends. This is the number one men's development podcast for inspirational stories and strategies for us all to thrive.